Good evening and welcome to our Bible study and this evening we're going to look at Job chapter 41 and we're going to look at verses 15 through to 34. So starting to read at Job 41 verse 15. His back has rows of shields lightly sealed together. Each is so close to the next that the air can, no air can pass between. They are joined fast to one another. They cling together and cannot be parted. His snorting throws out flashes of light. His eyes are like the rays of dawn. Firebrands stream from his mouth. Sparks of fire shoot out. Smoke pours from his nostrils, as from a boiling pot over a fire of reeds. His breath sets coals ablaze. And flames dart from his mouth. Strength resides in his neck. Dismay goes before him. The folds of his flesh are tightly joined. They are firm and immovable. His chest is hard as rock, hard as a lower millstone. When he rises up, the mighty are terrified. They retreat from his thrashing. The sword that reaches him has no effect, nor does the spear or the dart or the javelin. Iron he treats like straw and bronze like rotten wood. Arrows do not make him flee. Slingshots are like shaft to him. A club seems to him but a piece of straw. He laughs at the rattling of the lance. His undersides are jagged potsherds, leaving a trail in the mud like a threshing sledge. He makes the depths churn like a boiling cauldron and stirs up the sea like a pot of ointment. Behind him he leaves a, a glistening wake. One would think the deep had white hair. Nothing on earth is his equal, a creature without fear. He looks down on all that are haughty. He is the king over all that are proud. Let's pray before we come to this passage. Our Father, we thank you again that we have the opportunity to look at this book of Job. And as we draw towards the end, we ask that you would just give us understanding of what is happening here and things that we can apply to our own lives. Our Father, we ask this in the name of Jesus, that you might just lead us and teach us. And we ask it in your precious name. Amen. Amen. Well, what we're going to do is to continue from verse 15 down to the end of this chapter 41. And we're looking at the subject of the Leviathan. You see, Job is beginning to understand that the superiority of God goes beyond the natural world into the supernatural world. We looked in Job 40 and verse 6 to 24, where the Lord shows him the power of death and the stranglehold that it has on mankind. He shows him how and why it should be feared, and that it's beyond the efforts of man to control or defeat it. But as powerful and evil as it is, it's not beyond the Lord's power, his power to ultimately bring about its downfall and its complete defeat. The Lord helps Job to understand this by introducing him to the behemoth, the undefeatable enemy, the undefeatable enemy that is death. And we looked in 1 Corinthians 15, a couple of verses from there that we looked at last week. Verse 26, the last enemy to be destroyed is death. And verse 55, where, O death, is your victory? Where, O death, is your sting? The Lord then speaks about something that Job had referred to earlier, and that's in Job chapter 3, way back towards the beginning of the book. It's verse 8, when Job said, 
May those who curse days curse the day, those who are ready to rouse the Leviathan. Job said that when he regretted the day that he was born, he saw his birth as being trouble. So the Leviathan. We looked at Psalm 104, verse 24 to 26, refers to the Leviathan as being a sea monster who's quite at happy in the sea. Psalm 74, verse 12 through to 14, if you read through that as we did last week, the Leviathan is a dangerous sea monster that must be feared and it must be defeated. And Isaiah tells us in chapter 27, and I'll read this verse that we looked at last week, verse 1 of Isaiah 27. In that day the Lord will punish with his sword, his fierce, great and powerful sword, Leviathan, the gliding serpent, Leviathan, the coiling serpent. He will slay the monster of the sea. So we're beginning to get an idea of who or what the Leviathan is. Job 41 verse 12 through to 14. Job is told that no one other than the Lord has the power to control and destroy the Leviathan. What we, like Job, need to know is that it's evil and that it needs to be destroyed. This evening we're going to continue in Job 41. We finished off at verse 14 last week. We pick it up again in verse 15 and we'll go through to the end of the chapter. And we will see that the description that the Lord gives of the Leviathan doesn't fit any one animal that we can identify. What it does do is it raises our imagination to the point that we envisage the most powerful, the most dangerous creature that we would never want to meet. So we come to verse 15 and we have here something of what the Leviathan is like. So let's just look at 15 through to 17. Its back has rows of shields tightly sealed together. Each is so close to the next that nowhere can pass between. They are joined fast to one another. They cling together and cannot be parted. Now, whatever this animal is, just to look at it, we can see that it is impregnable. It's unable to be captured. It's unable to be broken. Verse 18 through to 21. Its snorting throws out flames of light. Its eyes are like the rays of dawn. Flames stream from his mouth. Sparks of fire shoot out. Smoke pours from his nostrils as from a boiling pot over burning reeds. Its breath sets coals ablaze and flames dart from its mouth. You see, whatever this is, What we learn from these words is that there is no defence against its attack. It's too powerful. And then from verse 22 through to 24. Strength resides in its neck. Dismay goes before it. The folds of its flesh are tightly joined. They are firm and immovable. Its chest is hard as rock and as hard as a lower millstone. You see? Its strength is far superior to ours 
superior than any strength we know of. And then in verse 25 through 34, we can title this, This is what the Leviathan does. Verse 25, when it rises up, the mighty are terrified. They retreat from its thrashing. You see, the only way of escape is to flee from it. It is terrifying. And the way to avoid it is to retreat from it. Let me go through into verse 26 to 29. The sword that reaches it has no effect, nor does the spear or dart of the javelin. Iron it treats like straw and bronze like rotten wood. Arrows do not make it flee. Slingshots are like shaft to it. A club seems to it, but a piece of straw it laughs at the rattling of the lance. We have no defence against it. Then in verse 30 through to 34. Its undersides are jagged potsherds, leaving a trail in the mud like a threshing sledge. It makes the depths churn like a boiling cauldron. It stares up the sea like a pot of ointment. It leaves a glistening wake behind it. One would think the deep had white hair. Nothing on earth is equal, a creature without fear. You know, just stop there for a moment. A creature without fear. We can't frighten it, but it can frighten us. And then that final verse. It looks down on all that are haughty. It is king over all that are proud. You know, this will bring us back to Job 40. It brings us back to what the Lord said to Job. This is in verse 8 through to 10 of chapter 40. 8, chap eight to 10 we could title, Would you, Job? Would you discredit my justice? Would you condemn me to justify yourself? Do you have an arm like God's and can your voice thunder like this? Then adorn yourself with glory and splendor and clothe yourself in honor and majesty. And then that Chapter 40 goes on in verse 11 through to 14, and we can title this, Can you, Job, can you unleash the fury of your wrath? Look at all who are proud and bring them low. Look at all who are proud and humble them. Crush the wicked where they stand. Bury them all in the dust together. Shroud their faces in the grave. Then I myself will admit to you, that your own right hand can save you. We know that it can't. And here, as God is speaking, Job is left in no doubt that he is defenceless. He's defenceless against the behemoth and the Leviathan. But he's been given hope in the fact that while Job is helpless and hopeless, the Lord is in control. You see, the Lord is able to bring low the proud and tread down the wicked. These are things that Job has no hope of ever being able to do. It is the Lord who can control these beasts that bring terror to mankind. Again, these things are beyond Job's control, and Job is learning this. Now, if the behemoth is 
a representation of death. What or who is being represented by this other beast, the Leviathan? Job 41, verse 34. It looks down on all that are haughty. It is king over all that are proud. So there's a description of who or what this is. John 12, verse 31. We're going to go through to the New Testament now. And I want you to notice the language and see if you can picture who this Leviathan Leviathan is. John 12, verse 31. Now is the time for judgment on this world. Now the prince of this world will be driven out. Okay, let's go to Ephesians 2, verse 1 and 2. As for you, You were dead in your transgressions and sins in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world and of the ruler of the kingdom of the air. The Leviathan is king over all the proud. He's prince of this world. He's ruler of the kingdom of the air. Let's go to Matthew 12, verse 24. But when the Pharisees heard this, they said, It's only by Beelzebub, the prince of demons, that this fellow drives out demons. This is when they accused Jesus of being the prince or in the power of the prince of demons. Beelzebub. But of course he wasn't. Go to Hebrews 2, 14 to 15. Since the children have flesh and blood, he too shared in their humanity so that by his death... And this is it. He might break the power of him who holds the power of death. That is the devil. Right there we've got death. Death that needs to be feared and controlled. But the one who has the power is the devil. Since the children have flesh and blood, he too shared in their humanity so that by his death he might break the power of him who holds the power of death, that is the devil, and free those who all their lives were held in slavery by their fear of death. Let's go through to Revelation. A couple of verses from there. Revelation 12, verse 9. And again, listen to the language. The great dragon was held down, that ancient snake called the devil or Satan, who leads the whole world astray. He was held to the earth and his angels with him. And we go to Revelation 20, verse 2. He seized the dragon, that ancient snake, who is the devil or Satan, and bound him for a thousand years. This reminds us again of the warning we're given in Ephesians. We've looked at this verse before. We'll read it again now. Ephesians 6, verse 12. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. I want us, just for a few moments as we draw towards an end this evening, to go back to the beginning and just read what happened in heaven. And we, we find this in Job chapter 1 and Job chapter 2. 
<clears throat> there are two phases of this, so just remind ourselves of it now as we look at those verses. Joel 1, 6-12, One day the angels came to present themselves before the Lord, and this is it, and Satan also came with them. The Lord said to Satan, Where have you come from? Satan answered the Lord, From roaming through the earth, going to and fro. Then the Lord said to Satan, now this is Job that God is speaking about. Have you considered my servant Job? There is no one on earth like him. He is blameless and upright, a man who fears God and shuns evil. Does Job fear God for nothing? Satan replied. Have you not put a hedge around him and his household and everything he has? You have blessed the work of his hands so that his flocks and heads are spread throughout the land. But now stretch out your hand and strike everything he has and he will surely curse you to your face. The Lord said to Satan, very well then, everything he has is in your power, but on the man himself do not lay a finger. You see, God is in control. Satan is restricted here. God has the power to hold him back. Then we go to Job chapter 2. And this is when Job is, is, he's putting up with all these things. He's not blaming God. He's not cursing God. He doesn't understand, but he's staying faithful to God. And then in chapter 2, verse 1 and 6, On another day the angels came and presented themselves before the Lord, and Satan also came with them to present himself before him. And the Lord said to Satan, Where have you come from? And Satan answered the Lord, From roaming through the earth, going to and fro on it. And the Lord said to Satan, Have you considered my servant Job? There's no one on earth like him. He is blameless and upright, a man who fears God and shuns evil. And he still maintains his integrity. Though you incite me against him to ruin him without any reason. Skin for skin, Satan replied, A man will give all he has for his own life. But now stretch out your hand and strike his flesh and bones and he will surely curse you to your face. And the Lord said to Satan, very well then, he is in your hands, but you must spare his life. You see, the Lord is in control and death, death is in control and one day will be conquered. Now without knowing this, without knowing what happened at the beginning in Job 1 and 2. How will Job react to what the Lord has been saying to him because he hasn't explained to him what happened between Satan and God? We're going to look at that next week. But I, I, I thought this evening we just close as I, I Read to you the words of a hymn. It's a hymn written by a lady called Dora. Actually, Dorothy is her name, but she was called Dora because her mother's name was Dorothy as well. Dora Greenwell. She was born in County Durham. She lived from 1821 to 1882. You probably know this hymn. But just think of them in, in the context of what we've looked at this evening as we've looked at the Book of Job. <clears throat> and we've still got more to, to, to hear. But just for this evening, think of these words. I am not skilled to understand what God hath willed, what God hath planned. I only know at his right hand is one who is my saviour. I take him at his word indeed. Christ died for sinners, this I read, and in my heart I find a need of him to be my saviour. That he should leave his place on high and come for sinful man to die. 
You count it strange. So once did I, before I knew my Saviour. And oh, that he fulfilled may see the travail of his soul in me, and with his work contented be, as I with my dear Saviour. Yes, living, dying, let me bring my life to him an offering, that he who lives to be my king once died to be my Saviour. Let's pray. Oh, Father, we thank you for those words of that hymn, and we can see the relevance of them as we look at the book of Job. And our Father, we just ask that if we, at the moment, are finding ourselves going through difficult times, we have one who is our Saviour. We might not understand why things happen to us in this life. We might never, might never be given an answer. We might never be told why maybe we're called to suffer. But our Father, just remind us that we have one who died to be our Saviour. And that's where our trust should be, like Job's was. Our Father, just continue to bless us as we eventually finish this book of Job. As we look next week and hear what Job had to say, what was his reaction? May we take strength and encouragement from his reaction. Our Father, we just ask these things in the precious name of Jesus. Amen.